Before we begin the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Feel Queens, an Irish-owned GEA and leisurewear brand created by two intercounty players, Una White and Orla Duff. The girls have put aside their intercounty rivalries to create Ireland's first ever GEA glove, specifically designed and tailored fit to the female hand. Phil Queens are empowering future generations and offer a 15% team discount on gloves and are proud to be stocked in 10 stores nationwide. Having only started this venture in 2021, they have steadily grown their product line to include their original Empower gloves, bobble hats, snoods and water bottles. They have also just announced their brand new Blackout glove which are now available to buy on their website feelqueens.ie. You can find out more information on their social media at feelqueens which will be linked in the description box below. Welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 88, I'm delighted to be joined by Down Senior Ladies Footballer and Kent Torn Captain Jessica Foy. Earlier this year, Jessica made history becoming the first female professional soccer player in Northern Ireland and since our chat has also been named in Division 3 Little National League Team of the Year. I hope you enjoy. Hi Jessica, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much, thanks for having me. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving yourself an elevator pitch to the listeners who might not know who you are? Um, uh, Jessica Foy, um, captain of Glenthorne Football Club and Down Senior Ladies, Gaelic uh, Clare. Brilliant, so growing up for you, International Women's Day was last week, who were your role models and early influences? Um... I don't, I don't know if I had maybe a, a sporting influence. I think, um, you know, that community aspect of, of uh, football um, was really prevalent in my early years, um, going to the Gaelic club um, with my family. And obviously my mum was a massive role model in, in bringing us um, along to the Gaelic club and being able to play alongside our sisters, my sisters um, was fantastic for me. Um, and I really loved that, that family aspect of sport. Um, and then I kind of got into soccer a wee bit later, um, you know, and... Probably growing up then, you look at the likes of Kelly Bailey, um, who played my position, who's um, an absolute legend at, at Glenton Football Club and for Northern Ireland women. Um, so for me, that was probably someone I aspired to be. Um, but, you know, in terms of Gaelic, you know, you went to the All-Ireland Finals and, you know, at the time, Cork were the team to beat. Um, you know, and you just look at them, you thought, flip one day, I'd love to, to be here and to play. Um, you know, and probably just looking at them and how they played was just incredible. Yeah, those teams in Cork back then not to discredit the current Cork team but like you look at the paper who the players are on it's just like legends of the game on one pitch together it's just nearly a cheat code like absolutely I think you know we're very blessed to, to be able to witness so many great players on the same team at one time Um, I don't know if that'll ever maybe you know happen again because it was unbelievable to watch they've nearly cursed the game it's when you win one oh you have to win five in a row you have to do the Cork on it like <laughs> Absolutely, you know, it really does put the pressure on the teams that, you know, one isn't enough anymore. You kind of have to be able to replicate it time and time again. Absolutely. You mentioned there picking up uh, soccer at a kind of a later age. Describe what the decision was to go to try soccer. Sorry, I call it soccer. You probably call it football and Gaelic football. Um, yeah, well, I played Gaelic football, um, you know, from a very young age, um, from about five or six. Just went up to the local club and played it within school. Um, and then soccer was always something that you played at lunch or break time um, and, and never really took too seriously. And then it was only when I went to secondary school um, and I was just playing for the school team. Um, it was just kind of a team that all the Gaelic players were thrown on to um, to give it a bash and to put out a team. But um, 
I think there, then there was a couple of scouts came along and, you know, asked would I be willing to go along to Glen Thorne. And at this stage, I was maybe like 14, 15, so it was quite late. Um, but, you know, something that I always loved, that I grew up supporting Man United, so I always did follow football. Um, I just never really gave it a go playing it, but um, was delighted to, you know, go along and actually be able to play. And, um, and that success of club football quickly turned into, you know, international success playing under 17, under 19. And, it kind of really snowballed before I kind of really had time to think about it rather than a big decision. It was just like one thing popped into the next into another and, you know, all of a sudden here we are a couple of years later and, you know, you're, you're captain in the club. But, you know, um, definitely, definitely a good decision that I made. <laughs> you're a defender now, but I know in a school final you scored four goals, including a cracking uh, free kick into the top corner or something. Can you talk us through that? that did you, I presume you meant that goal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know what happened. When we played in the school team, they seemed to like to play me um, a bit more of a forward role. If I said it now, I think everyone would be like, not a chance to get back, get back to the defence. Um, but yeah, just whenever you're playing in school, I think you have a lot more confidence when you're playing in school or something. Um, and, you know, it was really tight, the game. It was 1-0, one, 1-H, uh, one 2-1, two, 2-H. Two I up 3-H and it went the extra time. And it was a free kick. And I just remember somebody coming up and saying to me, you know, you have to score this, you know, otherwise it's going to penalties. So I was like, no pressure, right. then. Um, but yeah, um, just, uh, it's still, the memory still lives on. I still have, you know, old teachers when you bump into them, still talk about it. So it's a really nice memory to still have. That's gas. Did you play much underage for down at all, at kind of the underage ranks, under 14, 16 minor? Yeah, I played the whole way up um, from under under 14 um, right up to senior. Um, I think I think we worked out this year. It's my 11th year at senior. Um, football, which I know we've only been 26, you're thinking <laughs> so maybe it's time to hang up the boots, but um, yeah, I just can't believe how quickly it kind of went in. Um, I think 20, 2011 was my first the debut, um, so yeah, incredible to, to, be, to have the opportunity at this stage. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. At what, at what point in Gaelic football and, and soccer does hard, hard work come in with passion for the sport? Obviously, you love sports, you mentioned that there. And you're obviously pursuing it now, so obviously you do have that love. But at what point does hard work start to come into to those two sports, and what age was that? Yeah, I think um, you know whenever I was first brought up into the senior teams, it was purely on talent. Um, and I think very quickly I came to realise, well, there's actually thirty other players here that are very talented. So other you're going to have to work for your place, or else there's another guy that can quickly come in, um, you know, and and replace you very very easily. Um, and I think that was a lesson I learned, you know, very early on. Um, you know, underage, it's quite easy to stand out, you know. Um, and then once you get to that senior level, you really do have to fight for your position. You know, if you start in one week, you know, you're you're definitely not guaranteed it. Um, the next week. So I think, you know, around the age of about eighteen, nineteen, um, you know, when maybe one squad you're maybe left out of, you're starting to think, right, okay, you know, I really need to start knuckling down here. Um, and putting the work in week in week out and um, yeah, I think that was probably the first time I kind of realised that you have. Adult football is kind of like it's business or like cutthroat. It's you're in one week, you might be out the next, so it's kind of like you're always on your toes. Whereas underage, yes, it is that little bit, but it's just amplified more at that adult level. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the year we won the All Ireland side in 2014. I probably never, you know, it was such a rewarding year, but it was an absolutely cutthroat. You know, if you weren't if you weren't uh, pulling your weight. That was you out of the team, you know, on the Sunday, and 
you know, I think that was probably our best year and that everyone was pushing, you know, and that was probably why we were so successful. Um, so there obviously is some, you know, negative sides to that where some people might think, well, that's not for me. Thanks very much. Um, but, you know, definitely that year was probably where, you know, that was amplified and we were most successful with it. Mm-hmm. For any younger players listening, uh, it's kind of become a staple question on the podcast. Is there any particular underrated skill that we're not looking at as players or as coaches that you just recognise there's a big gap here with younger players that they're not focusing on X or Y? Um, I don't know if there's one skill that we're maybe not focusing on, but one I don't think is used enough. It's probably coming into the game a wee bit more now. It's been able to use both hands and both feet. Um, you know, I remember I was very, very fortunate that my um, underage coach, senior coach at club level for many years, Alec McGoran, um, it didn't matter, you know, how much of the session you gave your your right hand because you gave the equal amount to your left hand and same with your right foot and left foot. You know, all the drills were set up and catered for both feet that you had to use both fifty percent um of each session. So I think, you know, that has to be encouraged that we're not, you know, asking kids to pick a dominant hand or a dominant foot, you know, growing up. You have to start to use both because I think that's that's the wee small percentages and the wee small margins that are that are gonna make the difference whenever you get the adult football. I think it's now the game has nearly gone or already got to the point where when you get to senior county football at any age, at any group, junior, intermediate, senior, you kind of have to have both hands and both feet because you're going to be cornered either way with the scouting, with players watching you, with how good the game has got. There, you, there is no kind of hiding spot for players anymore with one side. Absolutely. You know, you've, you've got the video analysis now of, of every game and before you go out to play a team, you know, every player on the other team's been been analysed, you know, right down to the final margins. Um, so you know everything about that player, so it's so important that you've got something in your locker that you can kind of switch it up with and, um, you know, create a wee bit of, you know, challenge for the opposition. What's the best piece of advice you've got from a coach or from a player in either sport? Is there anything particular that stands out for you that you've kind of always gone back to or reflected on? Um... I don't know, maybe as I've got older, um, you know, I maybe would have let the, the temperament of the game maybe get to me. Um, but, you know, to say that the saying, fire in the valley, ice in the head, um, you know, just keeping it cool regardless of, you know, what way the match is going. And um, I think that's probably something that I've kind of matured with um, as I've gotten older. Um, and, you know, you, ha- you have to start letting the football do the talking. Um rather than getting involved, you know, in, in what way the game's going or referees' decisions or, you know, opposition winding you up because it's, all, it's part and parcel of the game. It's going to happen now. Um, but it's how you react it and creating the, the correct response. Yeah, that's a good point. For any younger listeners that are trying to balance multiple sports, how do you balance both? How did you balance both at underage? I think kids are under a lot of pressure these days with all of the underage teams they're on. They're probably paying for the team above their age group. They might be involved in inter-county or Irish or Northern Irish panels. And then they've got skill teams. And then when you're a good player, you're not just a good player in one team. You're going to be a good player in every team. And chances are you're going to be a good player in multiple sports. How do you balance that as a teenager when you've got so much else going on as well with social life and skill work and everything else? Yeah, it's definitely a major challenge, um, particularly for girls as well, who, you know, their social aspect is outside of sport as well as inside of sport. Um, I think, you know, the communication with the, the coaches has to be has to be good, as in, you know, it is the coach's responsibility to look after their players, but sometimes you have to let them know that they've got ABC going on and, and maybe play the school match today, you know, maybe if, if I give training a miss tonight, you know, I'll come up and show my face, but would that be okay? Um, and I think that was one thing I learned that it's, totally okay to say to a coach 
I'm not feeling it tonight, you know, I'm absolutely burnt out. And I remember last year or the year before, um, you know, even at senior level, I phoned up my county coach and I just said there, I was like, I'm maxed out at the minute, you know, would you mind if I just gave the session a rest? And she was, was absolutely fine with it. She said, stay at home, you know, take a, take a night to yourself, refresh and, you know, come back tomorrow, come back on Saturday because you're better coming back at 100% than you are continuously doing, you know, 10, 20% throughout the week. So I think, you know, it's, it's having that confidence within yourself to say, you know, I need to take a break here, I need to take a step back and, you know, speaking to your coaches and letting them know what you do have going on. But, you know, it definitely is doable, um, especially if it's something that you're passionate about. It'll never feel like it's a chore, you know, going out to train or going out to matches. Um, so definitely if it's something that you love, um, you'll always find time and, and make time for it. How do you switch off away from sport? Is there any, do you like kind of sit down and watch Netflix? Can you switch off though at the same time? Is it just this all-encompassing mentality or can you find yeah. like kind of... Most people said to me, you, you don't ever sit down and probably my mental break from football and Gaelic would be going to CrossFit, so going to the gym. <laughs> um, and I just really love it because everything that I play is team sport, so whenever I go up to the CrossFit, it just seems to be me competing against myself. Yeah. Um, so and just being able to lift a wee bit of weights and you know having that community aspect and um, you know, that's something that I really love doing in my pastime. Um, but you know, if I'm not a, um, I do, I do love going to the cinema. Um, whenever I make time, so um, the cinema would definitely be up there. I love that. What do you have to switch off? Uh, CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Honestly, ridiculous. And do you get much time to switch off at all? Do you get much time to actually to go to the cinema every once in a while? Is it? Yeah, I seem at the minute to have a Saturday off. Uh, which is nice, so you kind of get a day to kind of rejuvenate, chill out, um, you know, and then go to the go to the movies or anything on a Saturday night, go out for dinner. Um, that kind of sets you up for for the week ahead, which it's it's nice. You do kind of need that break mentally, um, just to kind of switch off from competitiveness for a wee while, anyway. Totally. How do you manage your time? Is there any particular advice or tips you have or a method that you use to kind of plan your week and fill in the different things you have to do? Because obviously you're with two teams to a high level and you've got work as well. So is there any advice or method that you use that you find really effective? Yeah, well, I think whenever I was younger, I always kind of went for the head in the sand, pretend it's all not happening around me. And, you know, at one point I'm going to have to let a coach. I can't make it tonight because I've got three different sessions on in one night. Um, I, I find that probably caused more anxiety on my behalf than it did to anybody else. Um, so I think, you know, it's important to kind of look what you've got in the week ahead or the next two, three weeks and start to prioritise. Well, you know, I've got a county game coming up on Sunday and, you know, I'll, I'll go to their sessions this week and I don't have another one for another two weeks. So I can maybe take the next week off or the next session off um, and be able to give them a full time to football that way. Um, so, you know, definitely just have a look ahead, prioritise, but don't be afraid to let people know and give them the heads up, but I can't actually make this one, and, and here's why. Um, you know, and thankfully, you know, this year it just seems to have worked out well for me that I don't really have very many classes, um, training times and training nights, so I haven't had very many difficult conversations, but I definitely know previously um, the head in the sand is just not a good method to go down. Very good. Is there any particular recovery methods you find useful um, in terms of all the training and try to prevent injury and even just trying to prevent burnout? Is there anything mentally that you can do to kind of just kind of switch off when you're moving to one sport or the other? Does it ever get draining or is there any particular way you kind of keep yourself fresh and keep going? 
Yeah, I suppose, you know, definitely, like I said, you know, giving yourself a, a day off, a rest day where, you know, you're doing nothing, you know, particularly strenuous. Um, you know, and it's, it's very important that you're looking after yourself. And I don't think, you know, as a young child, you know, we really appreciated the, the use of the gym as much um, and, you know, improving your mobility and stretching. And I think that's one thing that, you know, as I've got older, it's touch wood has been, you know, very helpful for me uh, in terms of not getting injured, just, you know, maintaining your body um, and, and your fitness. Um, but yeah, I just think mentally, you know, you always have to, you have to offer yourself, you know, a, a day off at least um, throughout the week. And then, you know, I think, you know, whenever my football season finishes, you know, county preseason seems to, you know, start back up, but you have to, you have to say to them, I need a month here um, just to kind of take yourself completely away from sport um, and to, to really kind of get a life back again, even for a month. Um, and then you kind of have that enthusiasm to kind of get back into it. And, you know, because once you start to lose, you know, the enjoyment for it, and it starts to feel more like a chore, you know, of your own time as well as everybody else's. You can get the month off to go do CrossFit, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At any point in your career, did anyone kind of put put the choice to you, you have to choose one or the other? Was that kind of was was that ever brought to you brought to your attention? Because I know other players in multiple different sports have had that issue, and I think it's it's kind of not not an old school mentality, but the the research has kind of come out that don't specialize early. You know, there's so many elite athletes that speak about how they just played multiple sports. Like even the Super Bowl last year, there was a brilliant stat. I think fifty percent of them played two or more sports that were in the Super Bowl. So it wasn't just American football. Was that? Yeah choice ever brought up to you as a player at all um i think you know definitely when you were younger um you know when you had probably like you said more old school um style coaches um training you that kind of made you you know feel the pressure of choosing one over the other um but you know i think it's more common now that athletes are, are dual athletes and they, they play you know multiple sports and you know coaches need to see that as a benefit too that you know that that there they are plenty of sports and um you know there's a lot of crossovers between the two sports um but you have to look at the likes of Caroline O'Hanlon you know for our man you know playing that ball such a high standard and, and Gaelic football and then maintaining a career is just an absolute inspiration so uh, I just I haven't seen any downside to, to being a dual athlete um you know so I think coaches need to be aware that you know it's they're just really punishing the player more than anything else um yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely see the benefit of playing too. Anyway. Yeah, that's a great point about Caroline. Aside from the physical skill of, let's say, kicking, obviously because there's huge crossover there between Gaelic football and soccer. Is there any particular crossover and other elements that you see as a benefit to having both? Is there anything that you just realised? Oh, this is brilliant in soccer. I've because I've played Gaelic or in Gaelic. Oh, this is brilliant because I've done this in soccer. Is there anything for you that kind of stands out in either sport? Yeah, well, like you said, there's the physical aspect of it too, you know, um, it's kind of well known that, you know, if a Gaelic player is coming to soccer, there's that increased physicality. Um, but, you know, for me, I play two completely different positions. I play in the forward line um, Gaelic and I play, you know, defensively in soccer. But, you know, I've really seen the benefits recent, in recent years of even being able to read because I wouldn't say I'm naturally gifted in terms of being able to read, um, you know, a soccer pitch or being able to read different plays. But I've I'm definitely trying to take bits from, you know, Gaelic and, and you know, how I would attack and, you know, through balls um, or, you know, diagonal balls from there. And then because I'm able to see the whole pitch as a defender, 
Um, you know, I'm trying to see wee pictures that I've maybe used um, within the Gaelic football um, and bring it across into soccer. So I definitely do think, you know, in terms of size of play and, you know, attack and play, um, I've definitely tried to, to implement some crossovers there. Okay, very good. Uh, the 2014 All-Ireland, you mentioned it there. What's it like being in an environment like that where high performance is demanded by everybody and, you know, you get that overwhelming success at the end can you describe what it takes to make it to win in all ireland uh, i've always said and i'll probably forever said i think that was probably one of the most challenging years um you know i've ever had um physically mentally um you know in every single way um the, the demands of going to training in jury four times a week um was tough and then obviously demanded to keep the your, your place within the team um equally was just challenging um, but you know, I think it's definitely something that the reward at the end of it um, was very worthwhile. Do you find you're motivated more by success or fear of failure? What would be your your take there? Um, I think probably, I think it has to be success. Um, you know, I think if you if you have this fear of failure, um, you're already limiting yourself in, in what you can you can do. Um, you know, success has to be um, you know, your main goal. Um, you know, we've always said that if. If you're already thinking about failure, already thinking negatively, um, you know you always just have to think of of positive thoughts, and you know success is your goal, and how can I how can I get there? When you reach both levels in both sports, like it's such a high level, is it more mental or physical? The game, what is it for you? Um, I think I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um. You know, the physical demands, the game is getting so, so physical in terms of athletic ability. You know, everyone has really raised their standards in terms of F and C and, you know, um, runs within the pitch as well, you know, outside of training. Um, so the game's, you know, transformed massively there. Um, you know, but mentally, I think that's what gives you the edge. Um, and, you know, you've been in environments before where, you know, the mental aspect hasn't been there and we haven't been mentally strong and, you know, once you maybe have one defeat or, you know, one loss or one bad performance, you know, you have that snowball effect where nobody's really mentally strong enough to kind of pull the team together and, and pull you through where, um, you know, now you have to see, you know, setback is the first step to success and the first step to, to going forward. Um, so I definitely think now, you know, the psychology is a massive, massive part of, of the game and, you know, it's so important to have we, we small mini goals um, in mind to kind of to get to the greater ones. Mm-hmm. How have you evolved as a player over the last eleven years at Down and during your whole career? What what's been the biggest evolution for you? Do you think? Um, I, I don't know. I definitely, I know it's, I, I know it's, uh, I've definitely matured. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, but um, obviously the style of play, um, I've completely changed. I think, you know, I took, I definitely took more risks whenever I was younger, coming up throughout the teams. Uh, some would say I was very cocky. Some would still. Um, but uh, I definitely think now in terms of performances it's definitely matured um, but you know I understand the importance now of looking after your body um, and not running it into the ground and not completely burning yourself out um, probably something that I wish you know people had told me before I think you know going back to those years around 2012, 13, 14, 15 you know I was just in a complete state of burnout in terms of what I was putting myself through mentally and physically um, so I've definitely learned to, to, to cope with it a lot better now. What are those early signs that you recognise now from going through those stages of burnout that you're now 
be able to prevent that when do you kind of realize that you're you might be kind of touching on that side of burnout and when can you say i need to stop here yeah i think it's it is when you know training starts to become a challenge where you're you're not really looking forward to going and you really are having to to have a, a chat with yourself before you go to get in the car to drive the training um, and and it just it was whatever physical exercise was starting to hurt but then like this is a real challenge for my body to be here and I'm just sore and you're really not giving you know yourself um to anybody at that point so I think now it's important to recognize that you know you need a break or you know it's okay to, to go down and watch for a session or um, to take a night off just to, to refresh um, and to, to be able to go again um, you know this year you know I'll openly say Ronan you know it texts me in October to come back to the county team and I said to him I, I can't I can't mentally come back until January like I need that that two months away from county football before I come back otherwise you know there would have been no point me being there because I, I knew I wasn't ready to come back I knew mentally um, if I had I went back the rest of the year would have dragged in but you know he's very good and that you know, I come back in January and I'm, you know, fresh and ready to go and, you know, looking forward to the season ahead. Mm-hmm. I know you get up at 5.30am according to an article online. What gets you out of bed in the morning, like in a tough session is coming up and you know, oh geez, I'm going to be running here dogged. Is it that enjoyment part for you where you realise, you know, I'm in this for the fun of it. I really enjoy what I do or what kind of gets you out of bed in those days? Profit. But yeah, no, um, I'm very routine to that. I really like to know how my day is going to be planned out. Um, and, you know, I like knowing that I'm getting up at that time and, you know, I've got a, a day of work ahead, you know, in two and then I'm going to go home and get my dinner and, and head out to training. Um, you know, and, you know, when you're first, the first week or two back, you're, you're obviously going to be a wee bit tired from it just as your body kind of adapts. But, you know, once you're into that routine of things, you know, um, again like I say if you weren't loving it you wouldn't you wouldn't be there and you wouldn't be doing it um I think you know that that thrill of you know the success that could happen um you know at the, at the end goal is probably what keeps you going so you know year after year you know we haven't won a, an All-Ireland from 2014 and you know you're still showing up every year thinking you know this year we're going to push on this year we're going to push on and it's that goal that you have you know within yourself individually and you know within the team that, that keeps you going each year um and hopefully, you know, before I retire, we'll, we'll achieve it again. What do you think is your biggest strength in your game? Is there anything particular that, in your mind, stands out for you? And I'm inter- I'm always interested to hear the player's perspective because if I'm watching you, I might pick something different. So what would you see as your biggest strength? Um, ooh. Uh, well, as a forward, you know, I think shooting. But I think that has to be, that has to be a given. For me, as a forward, it has to be one of your strengths. But, um probably one of my strengths I would say personally um about sounding too cocky would be the reading of the game and you know seeing different parts of play and you know I would see different the, the switch ball or the through ball and you know being able to execute that um you know with my kicking um would probably definitely probably be one of my strengths and something that I've probably tried to utilize more um as I got older when I was younger I probably tried to run the ball a bit more but now I'm, I'm kind of seeing things I'm seeing you know different movements um, and being able to play, you know, an early ball through, um, I definitely think it's something I've, I've got a lot better at. As a forward, and I'm a forward as well, although I play uh, junior club football, so I won't be comparing myself to you, but what do you think about the new kind of, it's not an argument, but the kind of campaign for more physicality in terms of the tackling 
people are advocating for to bring in the shoulder into ladies football. What what would you make of that? Um, I'm kind of on the fence with it to be honest. Um, you know, I can see you can see why people want it in the game because essentially you could say it's, it's already there. You know, there's a, a, a strong physicality already present within the game. Um, and to be honest, it probably just depends on the referee and you know what you're able to get away with and what you're not able to get away with. You know, some referees are absolutely zero contact you know and I can I find that frustrating that you know you're, you're here to play sport and it's obviously going to get a wee bit physical and you know they're not allowing any of it um but I, I don't see any negative effects you know bringing in more physicality to the game is you know like I said strength and conditioning is getting a lot better Um, you know women are progressing more and more within sport in terms of increasing their S and C um so I definitely think you know I would definitely be one that would be definitely for it anyway yeah, I think it's trying to bring in the flow to the game. Sometimes I find with the ladies' game, and I played a club game the other week, and I'm not giving out by referees. It's the it's in the rule book, but it's like there's no flow. There's absolutely no flow to the game because the whistle's being blown every two minutes because the physicality is there. We can play, we can be physical. But if you look at like a great example, I thought was the senior final last year at Meath in Dublin. There was a great flow to the game. Things were let go. I think that needs to come into the game more, even for people who don't think there should be shouldering. Just give it a bit more flow. We're not looking to start beating the head off everyone else. Just give it a bit of flow that we're all looking for as players. No, absolutely. You know, it is frustrating because some teams go out and you know use that as a strength in terms of breaking up the play and you know, tactical fouls, as they say, you know, to, to really slow down the game. Um, you know, and I definitely think, you know, the maze in Dublin game was a, an absolute spectacle for letting the game flow. And, you know, for spectators alone to watch, you know, it was unbelievable. But I'm sure the, the play in that was, was really enjoyable too. Can you sit down and relax and watch a game where are you constantly watching? What is she doing? What's, how did they do this? What's that decision there? Yeah, no, you definitely enjoy it. Um, but it is, it's, Definitely, you know, you're always looking at other players to see, well, what are their strengths, what are they doing well here, and, you know, how did they do that? Um, but, you know, it's definitely, definitely love watching, um, you know, a, an unbelievable game of football. I think everyone, you know, involved in sport does. Yeah. What, do you have any particular pre-game routine? Are you superstitious? Superstitious? I'm stumbling over my words there. Um. Uh, no, I don't really have any superstitions. Um, I think it, it seems I've always seemed to put my left foot on before my right because I'm left footed, um, and I've kind of just stuck with it. Um, but no, I don't really have any superstitions. We just always have, um, it's called like a no go. You know the, the oh yeah yeah. Always have one of them before a game. Um, now, um, I don't know if it's because I'm older and I need a wee bit more of a kick start before I get going. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any real routines or anything that I kind of go through ritually. Okay, very good. Your name popped up in the news over Twitter um, earlier in the year. Talk us through becoming the first um, professional female player in Northern Ireland. That's a huge achievement. What did that mean for you as a player and to be the first is pro- it's, it's pretty spectacular, really. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I think it was a massive honour, you know, when it first came about. Um, you know, it wasn't a total shock as in where we got to in terms of professionalism, but um, we had been talking about it for you know the past two three years, um, and I didn't really expect us to get there so soon. Um, and I, I know we had been putting the wee stepping stones in place to get us here, but um, you know it was able to come about. You know before Christmas we were able to sign all the contracts, um, you know, and get it released to the media. You know after Christmas time. So you know for me personally, and you know from my family, it was a, a massive massive honour um, to be one of the first to, to sign a professional contract. Um, but it just goes to show, you know. 
not only in, in football, but where women in sport, you know, has come within the country, um, you know, that we're really pushing us on and we're really putting ourselves, you know, on the map. And um, it just, it's, it's come about because of all, all the female athletes that have went before. They've, they've worked hard to get us to this place, um, you know, and they've put on, um, you know, a fantastic game that, you know, now people want to get involved and they want to sponsor. And, you know, the men's clubs now want to, want to give you their backing. Um, so it's an absolute, you know, credit to, to everyone involved to kind of to get us to this place where you know people are talking about women's football. Absolutely, there has been a huge shift. It's brilliant to see. I'd say as a player, it's it's amazing to see that support that maybe wasn't there ten years ago. I know earlier today I was speaking with Denise Maston and we were saying how you know they were going through so many years where they made they couldn't even get managers there was eight players down training whereas now there's a you know you've just signed a professional contract the wgpa and now is formed the gpa like the game and sport as you say in ireland has just evolved so quickly in the last 10 years that must be huge for you as a player to realize that people are now supporting us and giving us that support that we deserve because we put in so much work and as much work as the men yeah yeah i think you know women are now getting the just reward for the work that they're putting in. You know, previously, um, females playing sport, it was just for the love of it. And that's still there. But now, you know, they're being rewarded for it, be it financially, be it opportunities, access to facilities. Um, you know, everything that I would say, you know, men maybe took for granted whenever they turned up to play for a team. Um, you know, women are now um, on a level playing field, which, you know, is fantastic. Even the GA and the LGFA coming underneath the one umbrella now, you know, it's fantastic. Um, and... I've said before, it was always seemed to be women, you know, preaching for equality within sport. But recently, you know, the likes of Connor Myler coming out and speaking, um, you know, we've now got that that male support as well behind women's sport. So, you know, it's evolved massively over the last 10 years um, in terms of, you know, access and opportunities and, and funding. You know, it's fantastic. And it's a very, very exciting time for any young girl um, growing up to get involved in sport um, because there's been several players, you know, in, in all sports that have went before them that have paved the way and um, to get us to where we are now. So, you know, I would definitely love to be 14, 15 again, coming through the ranks, um, you know, with the opportunities that, that young females are going to have now. It's just fantastic. Absolutely. Obviously, Glen Torn have been so supportive of your GEA career. How important was it for you to ensure that there was a clause there in the contract that you could still play Gaelic football? Uh, massive for me. Um, you know, I've always played Gaelic football. Um and I've always just played it because I loved it and I, I'm so, so passionate about it. Um, and I probably um, wouldn't be me without it. Um, and I think, you know, they recognise that, that it's so important to me. And, you know, to be able to do it so many years and be able to balance both of them, um, I didn't see any reason why now, you know, I still wouldn't be able to, to balance the two of them. Um, but, you know, sport, first and foremost, you, you play it because you love it and you're passionate about it, especially as a female. Um, and I think it was really, really important, you know, that, that I was still able to, to do both. Has ladies football gotten to that professional level yet without playing paying players? And do you think you see a day eventually where players players are paid in the men's and women's game? Uh, in terms of Gaelic football? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't know in terms of ever being paid to play, I think. You know, it would really, you know, take away from the culture of the GAA. Um, and I think that's what is so outstanding about the Gaelic community is that it's just full of everyone across Ireland playing this one sport because, you know, they love it um, and have a real passion um, passion for it. Um, and as much as every other aspect 
of the sport. I think it's went professional. Um, the only thing that really hasn't went is, you know, the payment. Um, but, you know, at the minute, you're still getting your expenses come back. You, you're, you're getting your money now, um, you know, and, and there is sponsorship available there. So I don't really see the need for it to go um, for the professional in terms of being paid for it because, you know, the, the access to everything else that, that is required that you need to get the training, you know, after training um, and your recovery is all provided. Um, so I think you know right now we're definitely in a very good place, and you know, um, you know, women's Gaelic is definitely in a, in a fantastic place at the minute. Mm-hmm. You've had a very successful soccer career. Um, you're named captain of Glentoran. What's it like being a captain? Can you explain sort of the roles and responsibilities to the listeners who might not understand what goes into being a captain, particularly younger players that haven't had exposure to being a captain or being around captain before? Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a big responsibility. Um, you know, I've been captain for several years now, um, and you know it was a massive honour to be first firstly asked to be um, captain of the club. And um, there's several legends that have you know went before that have captained the club, the likes of Kelly Bailey, um, you know, to be one of them. But I think you know as a captain, you know, taking everything outside of it, uh, the first thing you have to do is lead on the pitch. You know, you have to be the one that. That shows up the training. That's enthusiastic. That's putting in the hard work. Because you know, if you're not, nobody else will follow you. Um, and you know, then on the pitch as well, in terms of matches, you, you have to be there giving your all. You know, regardless of, of how a game is going. You know, um, one thing about Glen Torn is our DNA is, is hard work. Um, over everything else. Um, and I think that's why we've been so successful for many years because it's been instilled in us. You know, from more ensure the founders of our club. Um, it, regardless of anything, you know, hard work um, is what you have to implement and, you know, that starts with the captain and then it, it filters through to the rest of the team um, but it's 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 important to make sure that, you know, everyone um, feels like they're part of the team um, you know, it might be something small just making sure you're mixing um, within different groups within training um, or organise these social events, you know, after training just everyone heading for a hot chocolate or a cup of tea after training just so you're mixing um, socially um, or, you know, if players frustrated, not even playing time, you know, just reaching out, giving them a phone call, you know, letting them, you know, vent or get it off their chest. And you might find by the next day, once they've kind of spoke about it, you know, it's it's 10 times less than what, what they made of it the night before. Um, so, yeah, I definitely just think, you know, it's definitely been an ear for somebody um, to talk to um, and just, you know, making sure that you're you're leading them um, on and off the pitch. What would your pre-game or halftime speeches be like? Are they nice and colourful or are they kind of calm and little quiet word in the ear? Um, you know, it used to be a wee bit more colourful. Um, but now I think, you know, it's so important that, you know, we played in Champions League last year and, you know, we're very calm. And, um, you know, I think I said, like, something like, oh, don't worry, this team, they weren't very successful last year and um, they didn't get to this round and blah, blah, blah. It was very calm. And after the game, somebody said to me, could you just make all that up to make me feel better? Because it really is. And I was like, no, it's actually true. But um, it just seems to me, if you do have that nice, calm approach, um, just get everyone settled. I'm very fortunate in that I'm in a very successful team with individuals who are, um, you know, very driven themselves. Um, so that, you know, not much is needed to be said. Um, just making sure that we're all switched on and focused and we know what the goal is. Of all the players you've played with against watched or 
just from your experience, what are the common attributes of the top players that you've seen? I've kind of asked this question to a number of people and it's interesting the different answers that come up. Is there any particular pattern you see? Obviously, everyone's very individual. Like, if we compare the both of us, we'd obviously have very different attributes. But is there a pattern that you see across top-level athletes? Um, I think it's just the ones that go above and beyond outside of training um, to kind of be successful. Um, and they have that mentality that, you know, they are the best, you know, and that they will do whatever it takes in order to succeed. And, you know, I think across, you know, all codes and all sports, I think that really is what sets people, you know, out from the crowd is that, you know, when everyone's going home or, you know, the day off, that they're at least doing something a wee bit extra. Um, so that they have that wee extra percentage, you know, whenever they're on the pitch. And um, it's definitely their mindset too. You know, mindset can carry a very long way. Um, and confidence can carry you a very long way. So, um, you know, it's it's believing that you're the best and you're the best in your position um, and that you, that you belong um, where you are. Brilliant. You have a league semi-final coming up um, with Down this weekend. With Down, what are the goals for this year? Where do you see this team going and progressing over the next over this season and the next couple of seasons? Yeah, well, we've got a new management in um, this year with Ronan McCartan. Um, you know, and I don't ever want to say, you know, this year we'll, we'll not look forward to an officer in All-Ireland because I think, you know, everyone's goal is to always, you know, challenge for, for either of those. But um, we're very well aware that with a new management in place and a new style of play, you know, it might take a season or two um, for that to really come into full effect. Um, and in, in order to kind of, you know, get, get to where we want to be. But we've been in Division 3 a very long time now. Um, and, you know, I think we really need to start pushing and challenging to, to get up in the Division 2. And, you know, that does start with Sunday in the semi-final. It's been a long time since we've been in the semi-final. I think we were maybe in contention for one in 2020 whenever COVID hit and then, you know, cancelled. Um, but before that, I think it maybe was 2014, 2013, um, before we've been in one before. So, um, you know, we've earned the right to be there on Sunday. So I think, you know, it's, it's a knockout now and, um, you have to go to push on. Um, we know it's going to be a very, very challenging game from Wexford played them last year. Um, in the All Ireland, we know um, it's a tough outfit, a tough ask, but um, you know we know now within ourselves it has to be a goal to get out of Division Three. You know if it doesn't happen this year, you know next year it, it really has to be um a goal that we're pushing for. What's it like watching Mead go on that run um, to jump from intermediate to senior? Does it give yourselves a new kind of perspective on, you know, anything can really happen here? And I don't mean that kind of dissing what you are doing. I just mean it was such a different approach. That, like most teams would would be worrying about maybe if going senior getting relegated again. But to see them go on and, and not only compete but win the All-Ireland and making that jump what does that mean for a county like yourselves to, and for all other counties to see a team make that jump and win yeah I think what me did was incredible um, you know in, in the manner of how they they played for the year that they were in senior was incredible it wasn't by luck um, by any means that they, they kept pushing on and kept challenging um, you know and we have to take hope from that and that we played them the year before they won um, the intermediate and you know we beat them in the league and then um, the year that they went on to win intermediate, I think they beat us by two points in, in the group stages. So, you know, we were close and we were challenging. Um, and then to watch them go on and then to really push on um, the next level whenever they went up into senior, you know, it does show that it is possible. And I think, you know, like you say, you know, most teams have this fear when they win the senior. Okay, let's just not get relegated or, you know, let's not get beat by 10 points here. 
um, that you know their mindset was was very clear that you know they were challenging and they were as good as, as any other outfit that was being put out in front of them on a Sunday. Um, and they're going to take it, you know, from Dublin, you know, um, who are full of confidence. Um, you know, just goes to show, you know, how confident and their mindset was um, to go on and, and to push on and to win it. So I think, you know, any small county just needs to realise that the work has to be put in, you know, behind the scenes for, for months and years um, to really push on, And but it is possible. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned from sport, Jessica, across either sport, across your whole career? Is there any particular standout or maybe one or two things you've just learned from your time in sport? Um. I think every setback is temporary, um, and that you know if someone tells you you know right now you're you're not the player that we're needing, or you know you're not just fitting in into the team right now, um, you know it's temporary. You have to work hard to, to get back um, and push on and, and challenge for your place. And it's important not to sit, um, you know, and and I don't want to say dark place because it's not that bad, but you know that you know that self pity um, of well the coach didn't pick me or. Um, you know, she said this or he said that. Well, the coach is only going to put out the best team, so you have to make sure that you are the best to be put yourself in contention to be in the team. So I think you know, realizing that's your own responsibility and um, to put yourself back in, I think was probably my, my biggest lesson. That's actually come up a lot in the podcast about kind of not being selected, and it doesn't mean you're a bad player. It just might mean you don't fit the system, or you might not fit what the coach is looking for. So it's don't get too discouraged because there might be an opportunity next year. We've seen it across multiple counties and sports where players are dropped one year and brought in and nearly get a starting position in this this really important role. So it's not like it, it's a great quote I, I got from um, somebody. Failure is not a full stop, it's a comma. And I think that's really important to remember as sports people because it's so cutthroat. You might not be selected for Sunday. It doesn't mean you're not a good player, but you need to be ready in two weeks time for the next game. Yeah, I think, you know, one of, one of the big quotes I kind of looked at was, I think it's Michael Jordan said it, you know, I've, I've failed so many times and that's why I'm successful. Um, you know, and that's definitely something that you have to look at. Well, I have to learn from this and I have to, you know, not be too disheartened and, you know, find out what it is. Well, what is it that you think that I'm not really, um, you know, being successful with or how can I improve? And, you know, it's, it's wanting to improve. I think that's the most important thing of wanting to get better. You know, and how much do you actually want to be in the team? Do you want to complain about not being in the team or do you actually want to, you know, make sure that you're in it the next time it comes about? Um, you know, so I think that's so important that, you know, you're you're trying to better yourself um, constantly. But, you know, sometimes it is. You just don't fit into the system. And, you know, that's happened before too where, you know, well, we're playing the system for the next two games. But, you know, see that third game, you know, there's an opportunity there. So make sure you're ready, you know, that kind of way. So, um just making sure that you're your best prepared as you possibly can be. Um, and, you know, when everything within your control, then, you know, sometimes it's just personal preference of a coach um, and it's not reflective of you. Exactly. Uh, out of interest, would you rather get the winning score or make the winning block? What, as a forward, what's your answer there? I'm always going to say the winning score. <laughs> nice big loopy point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take anything. Um, but, yeah, no, even when we're training and all, you know, I'll always say to someone, go and be the match winner. You know, do you want to be the match winner tonight? Um, and I think that's something that I love. Um, just scoring the winning goal or the winning point. I've had a couple of Jill stars on, one of them being Chief Rocher from Kerry. Could you pick a sport? Is there, do you prefer Gaelic or soccer? Is, can you pick it or is it just every day is different? Um, uh, do you know what? Probably previously I probably would have said Gaelic. Um, 
and I don't know why I just always had a preference to it but now you know the last couple of years um I definitely I can't really um decide between them and uh, they're both to me so very different um and one like soccer I have to work very hard at to, to stay within a team um it's just not something that Dolly came as natural as what Gaelic did um but I definitely um love it equally as much now um as Gaelic football do you find it kind of refreshing or kind of mentally kind of keeps you in in tune when you're jumping between two different sports that you have to kind of oh you're not on your toes is the wrong word but it's like it just kind of keeps you a little bit fresh moving between different sports different setups different teams yeah i do think you know maybe that tedium doesn't set in because you know you're kind of going between the two different sports and, and being challenged completely differently um between the two different teams um but you know i think it's it's nice and it's fresh that you know, one night, you know, Monday you'll be at soccer and Tuesday you'll be at um, like, like football and it's nice to have that, that variety within your week. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to move on to the sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. Uh, question one, what is your favourite quote? Uh, I think definitely that, that Michael Jordan one. Um, I've failed many times, but that's why I'm successful. Yeah. Have you watched The Last Dance? Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Mental. Mental. I have to do a podcast just on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question two: What's the best sporting event you've been to? And you can pick one as a fan and one as a player. Um. Well, as a player, it'd be the All Ireland. Um, playing in the All Ireland. Um. Well, they'll do that for Gaelic, and then in football, we played Holland. Um. In the Euro qualifiers, um, they sold out the the PSV Stadium. Um. Wow. Incredible. Um. And then as a spectator, I've got two. I've got the World Cup final between USA and Holland in the Women's World Cup final. And wow. It was unbelievable. Um, seeing the USA in real life was just something wow. I'll always love. Um, and then randomly Wimbledon. So okay. went to Wimbledon um, a couple of years ago. And we were just walking past and um, the security guy says, if you just pop into that we practice court in the left there wait five minutes you'll see why and um, we were me and my sister were the only ones there and next thing serena williams walks out to warm up uh, oh it was unbelievable um, oh my god yeah that is amazing uh, yeah so that experience was incredible she had an absolute army of people coming with her to help her warm up it was insane that is crazy because yeah. i've seen the i've seen the u.s women's team play uh i saw them in the world cup in 2019 amazing but uh, serena williams in wimbledon wow yeah. unbelievable in person it's just phenomenal unit is the only way to describe her yeah wow. uh, yeah it was incredible and then i got to watch venus's game as well so yeah an experience i love i have to add that to my list uh question three what's been the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it um, I think probably um in twenty fourteen being in and out of the team um when we were challenged for the the All Ireland was probably the the biggest um challenge I've had and setback um but then you know same goes with football soccer um you know in and out of the international squad being in the, the squad essentially but not you know within the starting team and I think um you know it's so important that you know maybe younger uh, it was very hard to overcome but now. You know, realizing well, everything's in my control here as to how I react. Um, and it will only benefit me if I have a positive reaction, and it will only inhibit me if I have a negative one. So, um, you know, it's completely within my control how I wanted to react to both the situations. Brilliant. 
Uh, kind of on the flip side then, what's been your biggest achievement on or off the pitch in either sport? Um, well, I think, you know, for Gaelic, it has to be winning the Ulster in All-Ireland. Um, you know, hopefully that's something that I'm going to replicate again, um, you know, before I retire. Um, and then within soccer, I think it was getting an international cap. Um, you know, I've played nearly 30 times for, for Northern Ireland, which, you know, for me is, is an incredible achievement, something that I started so late. Um, so, yeah, they're probably two of my, my biggest achievements that I'm most proud of. Brilliant. Looking back, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Um, enjoy it a bit more. Um, don't be too afraid to tell people that you're feeling it and you're feeling a wee bit burnt out, so you maybe need a, a rest. Um, at 18, you, you probably thought that, you know, you were so important to everyone that you had to be there at a, every stage where, you know, if you just let people know that, you know, I need a night off or I need a day or a weekend here, um, it will only benefit you in the long run. Brilliant. Who would be your dream dinner guest and why? You can open up the table to a few people if you want. Uh, <laughs> I'm really going to let myself down here, but <laughs> my absolute love is One Direction. <laughs> if I could get a dinner table with One Direction, even this Harry style for one neck, um, that would be my absolute dream. And then if I could add anyone else, it would be Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> okay very good what are we having at dinner are you cooking are we getting a takeaway what do you think uh, everything and pizza takeaway okay. pizza brilliant final question before I let you go if your life was a book what chapter would this be called uh, I think this one would maybe be the unexpected um, you know I think a lot of things have maybe changed and transformed um, within women's sport and I think I'm very honoured to be a part of that um, it's something that I maybe didn't um, anticipate was happening um, any time in my career um, but you know all, all good and positive vibes um, but definitely the unexpected Brilliant Jessica thanks so much for joining the podcast the very best of luck with everything soccer Gaelic on and off the pitch and thanks again for coming on Thank you very much thank you A massive thank you to Jessica for joining me on the podcast today I hope you enjoy our chat I just want to wish you the very best of luck with everything both on and off the field I'll be sure to leave all of your social media links in the description box below if you are enjoying the podcast, I really appreciate if you leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as it does help the show grow. Big thank you to Phil Greens for sponsoring the episode and to you for listening.